Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Western Focus podcast. I'm your host, Cobalt. Normally, Steve does this part, but with me is my co-host, Steve, Steve Meister, Steven Meister, the ever-present LCS expert. But this episode, we're going to be doing part two of the LEC, which is more of my realm, um, and... If you haven't been around, uh, make sure to go back to our previous episode first, since we'll be covering the second half of the league. And then also be sure to check out our two episodes on the LCS uh, breakdown as well. Uh, We had some good stuff in there about the eight-team league there, as well as some of the stuff about the commissioner changing, uh, new changes to the the way the league works, and, and things like that. So... After you're done with all that, come back here, and without further ado, we'll be jumping in right back where we left off with a new face again. Uh, Excel is still kind of around, but they've decided to merge with Giants, an organization you might be familiar with. They used to be on the LEC independently, and then they had a stint in the ERLs, and now they're back, merged with Excel to form Giants X. Um, now, considering this is still technically the Excel org, we're going to kind of treat it that way and say that Oduamne sticking around in the top lane. They're keeping Peach in the jungle. Uh, they're bringing in Jackies as a new face in the mid lane. Patrick is staying around as an evergreen player in the bot lane role. And then Ignar is back in the LEC. Uh, he had a while in the L- LCS, and now he's he's back here in Europe. So... I'm I'm pretty happy that they're keeping Oduamne uh, and Patrick. Those are the the two players that uh, they've both been pretty good, and and I'll I'll pr- pretty much leave it at that. Uh, very much consistent beacons, at least. Uh, Peach, I'm also gonna keep short because I've seen him for only a single split, and although he had a pretty good run with XL, they of course turned around from two 10th place finishes to second place in summer and then making an appearance in season finals. Uh, But that being said, I think he was probably the most unremarkable piece of the roster that I'm just not really too sure how to feel about. He, He seemed serviceable, but not necessarily an outstanding kind of player. Now, Ignar, he's a guy I'm excited to see back because... Uh, although he, he has, as I mentioned, been in the LCS for four years, uh, I've never really seen the appeal, appeal in Limit. Uh, he, he was the player that Ignar is replacing. Uh, I considered him one of the, the weakest EU supports of all time in general. So bringing in Ignar as a guy that, that's had good performances, he just won the LCS with NRG. Uh, I think this is a very, very big upgrade to this roster, at least on paper. And then the mid lane change is the one that I think was a very, very wild move uh, because um, they they shot up to second place, as I mentioned, in the summer. And I think that was very much off the back of Abadage, who who uh, Jackies is now coming in to replace. Um, it definitely mattered that they replaced Zerxe, who looked pretty lost, and Targumis, who wasn't really meshing with Patrick. But Abadage was the guy that was sort of leading the effort and revitalizing this team bringing it to form and and having them reach that upper echelon of the league. So replacing that kind of pivot point or cornerstone of the roster for a total rookie, someone that we've never really seen before, and not only wasn't in the LEC before, 
he was in a tier three league. So they don't even have direct seating into EMEA Masters. This is like some next level scouting. So overall, this is a, a team with a lot of uncertainty. And I, I think I'm going to have to very much see them play before I can accurately gauge them. There's a whole lot going on and it's it's really, really hard to say right now. Yeah, I want to give some credit to Yamato Cannon, who we mentioned uh, last episode is now the head coach of K-Corp. He did a stream uh, running down the LDC teams, and the one thing that he mentioned about how Giants X found Jackies was that, you know, a lot of these teams have different, like, tools and metrics and stuff and stats to look at players and judge them based off of, like, you know how good you are at this champion compared to everyone else and how other stats will correlate into that, etc. Um, but apparently Jackie's like measured up really well in, in, I don't know if it was one specific tool that they used or if they used multiple uh, tools and uh, sources of ways to help them find this kind of data and, and understand it. Um, so clearly Giants X thinks they found something uh, in this guy. And I, I, I give, uh, credit to like i said yamato canon for that uh, to put to put that information out there because i do think that is interesting to see how you know teams like this can find you know these relative basically no-name players for most of the the fan base i'm sure even some of the diehard uh, erl fans probably didn't know about this guy because like you said they don't really even slot into mia masters at all so very uh intrigued by this guy uh, it's hard to judge, I'd say, for him, especially because being in such uh, a lower-down league, he seemed, he and his team, uh, for that matter, they were called Entropic, they they seemed like a relative uh, cut above uh, some of the competition that they were playing against uh, in, the Croatian, in the Croatian league that they were in. They ended up winning every single uh, split. I believe that was just spring and summer. They played in one of the, the cups uh, that are pretty common in the ERLs as well. They did win that cup tournament that they played in. Um, he looked good, but again, I feel like the, the skill level of competition is a lot lower. Um, and again, I think his team as well was just uh, fairly dominant. So we will see if it is something that can be translated into the, the highest league in, in Europe. Um, I'm not going to put any expectations on this kid at all. I don't really want to uh, judge him at all in terms of like what I saw. Like I said, I think he looked good. But it's going to be such a huge uh, jump up that we'll have to see if anything can translate. Not going to have any sort of real expectations for him. Just We'll just you know, see how he performs as the season goes on. Then we can start forming uh, opinions from there. But he is definitely the biggest question mark on this team as a result of that. And unfortunately, it's in a pretty uh, important carry uh, position in mid lane as well as you, know, you can facilitate or carry on in mid lane. So he's... We're going to have to see how he stacks up in that role, especially with a lot of great mid laners in the league, your Caps, your Humanoids, your Niskis, your VTOs, hopefully, you know, guys like that. There's going to be a lot of competition there uh, for him to really start to try and establish himself and break in uh, to the LEC. I think for the rest of the roster, a lot of it is uh, pretty known commodities, which I would say for the most part is a good thing. Odawamne is still, you know, up there as well, one of the best top laners in the LEC. Uh, Ups and downs, sure, um, with XL last year, but for the most part, he's going to be a very reliable weak side player that's not going to demand a lot coming his way. Uh, very stable in that uh, sort of probably like Wonder uh, tier, maybe a little bit better than Wonder. We'll have to see how that goes, but like Wonder, uh, impact level for North America, stuff like that. 
Peach is a guy that I'm not really super sold on. He played on UOL Sexy Edition last year, um, and then I believe it was in the summer split. I think he he only came into Giants X. Uh, what was XL? I could be wrong about that. Um, but no, you're right there. He he only showed up in the the very last part of the the year. So. Yeah. So ba- basically, a rookie. Uh, you know, he he did have seemingly more so tank duty in the games that he was playing. I noted uh, 24 Sejuani games, 19 Maokai games, and then a pretty big drop off to eight Lee Sin games and seven Graves games uh, as his most played. He did have uh, some some good KDA for what it's worth, you know, top three KDAs in the summer season uh, and the summer groups, but struggled in the playoffs uh, for summer as well as season finals. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see combining, again, a a pretty new player like this with a brand new player uh, for all intents and purposes for the LEC and Jackies. Uh, Because I I do agree with what you said before as well. I think Abadaga was the big kind of, turning point for this team you know we, 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 you'll never know exactly how much like someone like limit did because obviously he's in the support role not as you know impactful in terms of like hard carrying the game but you know who knows what he might have been doing you know for the team dynamic or shot calling or you know just making plays in general around the map roams whatever again not not my forte i didn't get to watch him a lot but abadaga was the clear you know, upgrade to the roster, came in, had a ton of really good games and strong performances to help elevate that team as far as they did go. And, again, taking him out for Jackies is going to be a huge risk. And then, again, combining him with a young jungler in Peach, uh, not a ton of LEC experience yet. It, it could get really rocky really, really fast. I don't really have anything else bad to say about Patrick or Ignar. Ignar had a really good year in LCS last year. He's been in the LCS for a little while and has been pretty solid for the most part. And then last year, able to win LCS summer with NRG, have a, a decent enough showing at Worlds, obviously making it to the quarterfinals. Uh, and unfortunately getting, I believe it was 3-0'd by Weibo, but I don't think anyone was really expecting else anything different. Uh, and then Patrick's a solid, you know, mid-tier ADC. I, I like Patrick. I, I think that the only downside with him and is kind of a big one is that he's been in the league for a, a few years now definitely at least two from what i remember i think probably even more than that um and he's never really been able to break into the upper echelon of the role right and to be fair there are some really good adcs in lec han sama karzi upset when he's playing on a team um but he's never really been able to to get up there and solidify himself in any sort of probably like top three, maybe even top four capacity. He's just kind of sitting around, you know, in the middle of the pack. And when you look at this Giants X roster outside of, you know, Otawamne, and, and I, I would say probably I'd, get, I'd give Ignar some credit as well, being one of the better players in the league in that position, hopefully. But in, in the real important positions, you're looking at, at best mid-tier player in Patrick. And then you have what hopefully will be a good player for them in jackies but expectations are going to be low uh, i would say for the most part you're not going to be expecting a lot out of them and then say i'd say the same thing for peach as well for the most part um so i I think the one interesting thing that i remember talking about with the lcs at the end of our lcs episodes was that we were going through the bottom teams and for the most part they were still the bottom teams other than flyquest i feel like here a lot of the teams we went through in the last episode can actually be pretty decent, and we're starting off with this second episode going in order of how well these teams did to end last year. I think this is a team that I would I would pretty safely put in bottom two or bottom three. 
Um, and I, a part of it is just because of the unknown of like of Jackie's and Peach. Um, and I think that's a little bit you know harsh for them, obviously, because it's 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 unknown. But you look at the rosters we talked about last episode. Even though some of the guys haven't been in LEC for a little bit, you generally rate them as as good quality players and then we're obviously still going to be talking about the likes of some of the best teams in the league in this episode still to come so i just feel like you know there's not anywhere near enough here to say that this team's going to be anywhere higher than like seventh at the very least going into the season obviously when games get played that can easily change but i got them probably in the bottom three right now yeah fully agree that for a winter split specifically uh this is going to be a team that needs time before we can say really anything they're they're probably going to have uh to go through those growing pains of getting jackie's comfortable to to begin with and then uh making sure some of those synergies are built and figuring out what kinds of strategies are are securing them wins and then hopefully extrapolate that for better performances as the year progresses so I, I think we can put a question mark on them for now. That's that's kind of what we're we're bouncing around here, but it, it will be interesting to see what they're able to do with, with this new pickup. Yeah, the one thing I do want to put in is that kind of how we ended off last last episode, you know, with like talking about like how I'm not a big DOS fan and you know, Trimby seems like could be a pretty clear cut upgrade if that doesn't work out there. I feel like there could be a similar sentiment here. Now granted I don't know the LEC free agent market that well, right? And you probably would give people like Peach and Jackie's more than just the winter split. Um, but if, if Peach, Jackie's, and even Patrick maybe aren't cutting it for you, I think you do have plenty of clear spots to go out and find a better replacement player. Now, again, I don't know the free agent pool. I don't know the, the EMEA uh, prospect, you know, talent pool that well either uh, in terms of like who hasn't gotten called up already. You know, I don't know what, what the next wave is really looking like. But at least on the on the surface of it, it seems it doesn't seem like it could be that hard to find upgrades in these positions and at least try to be more competitive with either known commodities or maybe just better prospects and admit maybe that your scouting was wrong on a couple of these guys. So at the very least, if you're a Giants X fan now, you can hope that there is a somewhat easier path to upgrades if this team doesn't click. And transitioning off what is a very uncertain team, we're going to talk next about BDS, who is pretty much keeping their roster just about the same. So we've got Adam staying in the top lane, Shio staying in the jungle, Nuke is still in the mid lane, Labrov is still in support, but they're bringing in Ice as the new player to replace who used to be Crowny down in the AD carry role. So uh, yeah, the story behind this this team is is kind of an interesting one to say the least because the leak that Crowney wouldn't be on this roster was one of the very first things to come out in the offseason, uh, pretty much just after BDS dropped out of Worlds. Uh, I, I think it only took a couple days before we, we heard that report that Crowney wouldn't be sticking around. In contrast, Ice was actually the single very last player in the league to be locked. So, so that gap there actually comes from the fact that the team's first choice for replacing Crowney would have been Karzi, uh, but he was considered by a few other teams, and as we mentioned in the last episode, he did what very few people expected by returning to Vitality. Uh, so that kind of fell through. Then they wanted to get a player named Bao, uh, but by that time, his contract that he signed with Gentlemates in the LFL uh, locked him out of the LEC uh, offer consideration clause. So if you're not familiar, a lot of players in the ERLs 
will sign a contract, but there will be a contingency that if they find a better offer with the LEC, they can back out of that and, and take that offer instead. But since that uh, window had already passed at that point, Bao decided to honor his contract and, and stick around. So then BDS had to do more digging. And at that point, they started shifting their attention to the Korean League. So uh, they had a bit of consideration on Dokdam uh, and then uh, a bit of consideration for Prince as well coming out of the LCS. But they eventually decided on this new player named Ice, who coincidentally was Noah's replacement on Zero Tenacity uh, when he moved to Fnatic last summer. So this does pretty well reflect on Ice. I think that Noah proved to be a, a relatively good pickup for Fnatic. So if, if we're kind of following uh, precedent, uh, Ice should come in and hopefully be pretty solid for the team at the very least. Uh, but then, as I mentioned, the rest of the squad built around ice here are very much known quantities. Adam's going to be one of those fun off-meta players. He's unlike anybody else, really. Um, the unfortunate thing, though, is that domestically speaking, teams seem to know how to keep his playstyle in check. Uh, in internationals, we saw that Adam kind of ran rampant with his uh, unconventional picks. But domestically speaking, that really wasn't happening. Uh, then we had Shio. He had a really good um, performance in the LEC, but then a rough Worlds performance. Uh, given that he's only been around for a year, he's a relative new face. I think he's shown good enough stuff to stick around. So very happy to see him continue. Uh, Lebrov is on the long list of players that looked bad on Vitality, but then after he left that roster, he, he sh started to be in some perspectives, even top three supports in the league, uh, something that nobody was really expecting, but he, he was a very, very solid player. And then Nuke is the guy that, sooner than Crowney, I would have very much loved to see him be replaced. Uh, he, he wasn't necessarily bad, of course, the the roster with Nuke was able to secure a world slot, uh, but I think he, he has shown sort of champ pool issues before, and probably had the weakest performance overall out of this uh, squad in the last season. So in, in kind of a lot of the conversations I've been seeing, BDS is uh, being ranked pretty low, I'd say. Uh, I think they're be, be, being very much slept on because a lot of the other rosters are, are a lot more exciting. But uh, despite the lack of kind of big names, they, they have showed that this uh, almost unchanged roster has been pretty good. Uh, they've been a lot of uh, a lot of the things NRG was that they're better than the sum of the parts, so I I would expect them to probably be middle of the pack again, but probably leaning into the upper half. Yeah, my thoughts on BDS are are pretty similar. I think they're going to be a, a pretty wild uh, team because I obviously I agree with you. I don't think Crowny was their their problem at all, but they they thought that they were going to be able to get a more direct upgrade, and it didn't end up. Uh, working out the way they wanted it to and then they kind of just had to scramble all the way down the list until they eventually settled on ice and i do uh, agree with the point on ice that you know seems like hopefully he's a good prospect he was in live sandbox academy in korea and then came over to zero tenacity like you mentioned in poland replacing noah they finished first in the regular season but they didn't win playoffs they only finished third uh in the summer playoffs with him, but he dominated uh, the regular season. I mean, you just look look up the guy's box score on like the Law Wiki or whatever, and it's 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 a lot of a lot of double digit KDAs, a lot of double digit kills. He had like a couple of games, I think, of like twenty kills or something like that, if I remember right. 
Um, so he, he was clearly better for the most part than the competition uh, that he was going up against in that league. So seeing that kind of uh, domination in a lesser league is generally what you would want to see out of a new player that's getting brought up into the main region. You want to see as much dominance as you can to give you that that, that confidence in them. Um, he did have uh, a good fair share of mistakes. I feel like watching the, the few games I did, a lot of his deaths seemed to just be like probably out of either disrespect and, and overconfidence uh, for his opponents or just like maybe messing up like some like limit testing basically I guess because he definitely really was uh, like I said much better in the competition so I feel like maybe he just got a little bit too far ahead of himself in some team fights and some plays and ended up diving in a bit too far maybe dashing in a little bit too far on Zary or something like that you know and, and getting caught and, and dying earlier in a fight than he definitely should have but I think that's going to be a great fit into this BDS roster because I feel like a lot of it is you know, kind of the sum of the parts are uh, greater than the whole, or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, but they are pretty, you know, up and down, pretty hectic. That's like the definition of Adam, you know, with with the gods picks, the Garen, the Olaf, the Darius, uh, that narrative that ran rampant at Worlds last year. But as you mentioned, it doesn't seem to be as prominent in the LEC. He's going to need to be able to play those meta picks, or even not even just meta picks, but just more traditional picks consistently and you can still play carry top laners that are you know either in meta or consistently just pretty good right like Aatrox is, is is a champion that's been a champion that's been relevant for a long time Camille not always as relevant but Camille is a super strong champion that feels like it should fit Adam's play style really well you know even even Renekton like Renekton just seems like like a prototypical Adam champ but you just don't really see it uh, that much and if it does it doesn't always work out as, as good as you would think it would so I think that Unfortunately for them, I do think that Adam, at the very least going into this season, because I definitely think Ice can take over this this title, but I think Adam going into the season might be their best player. Um, and, and, and that's a very fun thing, again, because of the dynamic that he brings. But if if he's on his lows, which we, we've seen plenty of times as well, that's not where you want to be. Um, and it's, it's that just consistency that we talk about so much and i feel like we've, we've talked about to death with a lot of these teams it's that that's why the lec is kind of really hard to rank outside of the top two in my opinion is that you just never really seem to get a clear instance of what these guys can be there's always ups and downs there's always you know really moments of brilliance from adam and guys like him but then there's also just those incredible lows where it's just like oh my goodness like what are you doing dude um so it, it comes down to that with this team with BDS where I, I feel like I want to rank them them lower because um, I feel like especially like you said with Nuke, uh, not really a huge fan of his. He wasn't horrible last year, which is a, a credit to him because he was really horrible for a while and people were really against him. He has shown some degree of improvement, which is good. Um, and then when it comes to someone else like Lebrov, yeah, I feel like he's been relatively consistent. He and Crowney had some really great moments last year. Shayo, I really liked watching him in Winter Split. Uh, I, I wasn't hearing, I feel like, as great of things going into spring and summer, and then obviously Worlds was, was very bad for him, but it's kind of hard to, to judge a, a rookie like him at, at Worlds. Um, you know, that, that degree of competition is, is way, way higher uh, for the most part. So, like, like my, my gut's telling me to, to rank them low, but I definitely see uh, a world where they can be good. But going into the winter, 
like I I just feel so inconsistent about all these teams that we've talked about basically up until this point. I'm gonna put BDS probably right around Giants X, maybe bottom four or bottom three for now until I can see more out of Ice and how he stacks up to the AD carry competition. Because I do actually think he could stand out based off of how good he looked in the Polish league. If he can rein in that kind of respect uh, for opponents or whatever, again, just my opinions on it. But if he can kind of rein in that kind of wild side about him a bit in that position, there's definitely room for him to be an upper echelon AD carry because you kind of have Han Sama and then you have Karzi and then you have Upset. But after that, like Upset's had, you know, his ups and downs. Karzi's obviously known for being more of a volatile player, even though I think he's been a bit more consistent last year. There's room for him to break in there if, if he can show it early on. So I'm, I'm going to be very much watching him the most. Uh, and he would be the reason why BDS would be placing better than what I think they will be right now. Of course, with with Crowney, he was one of the pivotal players to to carry them last year outside of Adam, of course. So if Ice can kind of step into that role and and show some of the same stuff or maybe even do the job better, uh, then then that's very much to to BDS's credit. So it's it's a roster that's relatively stable in terms of how they're coming off from last year. But at the same time, this is the LEC we're talking about. So who really knows? And then speaking of inconsistency and whatever else you might have to say, um, Mad Lions. Now, I did say, uh, if you were following us along at Worlds, that I did want this Mad roster to blow up. Um, and, and I'd be saying I, I'm glad at least that that happened, but I'd be lying if I said that this is what I had in mind when I said that, because... Uh, they're they're keeping Elioya. He's he's the jungle player, uh, sort of kind of becoming the franchise player for Mad Lions as an org. Great, fantastic. We love Elioya. He's among the top junglers in the league uh, when he's having his good days. So so great there. But as for the rest of the roster, they've decided to go absolutely wild and sign not one, not two, not three, but four brand new rookies. So we've got uh, Merwin in the top lane. We got Frescoe in the mid lane, we got Supa in AD carry, and then Alvaro in support. So, very similar vibes to 100 Thieves over in the LCS. Uh, they've got an experienced jungler, and then pretty much rookies everywhere else. So, the difference though is that the fresh faces on MAD don't really have that much hype around them. You know, with 100 Thieves, they're bringing in some high profile players, but with these guys, they're relatively unknown. So, what will be an asset to them, of course, is that everyone's Spanish. Uh, Fresco is Polish, but he does speak Spanish, so maybe we'll see in the comms if the LEC doesn't have rules around this. Uh, they might speak Spanish together. Maybe that'll be good. Um, but the second thing that's kind of working in their favor is that their mid lane, their ADC, and their support, uh, as well as their new coach, Melzet, all come from Movie Star Riders. So they have pre-existing synergy there. Uh, they'll probably be able to use that. Of course, the LEC is an entirely new game. Um, not sure how that'll transition, but the synergy is there that will kind of help them bounce off of coming into this winter split. So, although I will always praise teams for scouting and trying to raise new talent, I just really have a hard time putting any kind of faith in this roster um, just because of how fresh they are. 
literally none of these four guys have any LEC experience or any other major leagues. So while it's not impossible, they might grow into a strong team. For winter specifically, I'm going to leave my expectations literally at rock bottom. I have them in 10th for power rankings, not so much because I think they're bad, but just because there is that freshness here that uh, they'll need time to develop. The expectations only will apply pressure that isn't really deserved. It doesn't need to be there right now. So all, all I'm going to say is I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. So for Mad Lions, for me, this was actually the, the most work that I probably had to do in a sense because all, you know, all these players are brand new. But I was able to watch, uh, try to watch as much as I could of the finals of the Superliga. I think I ended up watching about three games of it. It wasn't quite the whole thing because that was the, the finals where... All of those players, Frescawi, Supa, Alvaro, and even Isma for Movie Star Riders, played against Bison's Esports Club, which was the team that Merwin was on in the Superliga, and they all end up uh, obviously making it to the league. So I ended up watching that series as much as I could, because I, I believe it was about three games. And like I mentioned this at the end of the last episode where we were talking about Isma, that those games were super bloody and hectic. A lot of them went kill per minute. Uh, plenty of good plays and bad plays, obviously, in that kind of environment. A lot of uh, mistakes being made. Uh, Supa, especially, I feel like kind of stood out as kind of like ice a little bit, where some of his mistakes were just like really bad and like obvious, like you know, getting too far up out of position, stuff like that, not being completely aware of what was going on. I also feel like there were a lot more like bush kind of pick plays in general, like the fanatic brush kind of style of play, which seemed to be very very common uh, in those games. So if a lot of their games uh, end up being like that in the LEC, that's going to be very interesting. Because that can either be a really good thing and can kind of catch teams off guard if they're not expecting that kind of level of aggression. But if you're not up to snuff, then it can really screw you over as well. Because the talent gap is going to be a big jump up. So the Super League is not a bad league, especially like when we were talking about with Jackie's coming from like the Croatian league that he was in or whatever. But the talent gap is still going to be something that you're going to have to get adjusted to so that aggressive play style assuming that's something that will stick is going to be very 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 volatile and you're combining that with as you said four rookies on this team and Alyoya to me who we obviously all we obviously all know is very volatile I don't know much about his personality uh so I, I can't say like if he seems like a good fit to be this kind of leader basically role in this team being the only guy with LEC experience I don't know like what his style is and stuff like that so i can't make any comments on that but i'm a, i'm just a little bit skeptical for some reason i don't know if he seems like the kind of person that could do that uh when, when i you know look at look at his gameplay and stuff and like the style that i feel like he does um but like i said not not my place to really make any definitive comments on that but i'm very much intrigued to see this team coming like summer split assuming they stick together because that's when you know you're you're really hoping that you know, some sort of gelling will happen and that if they aren't on the same page already, you know, then they will be on the same page by then. And then obviously that provides two full splits worth of experience for these guys. It's still not a lot, but it gives them something to build off of and hopefully learn a bit from and give them some sort of boost to their play if they, if they come in a little bit slower or whatnot. So I'm very much looking for, for this team by summer split. Uh, movie Star Riders, where most of these guys were on Frescawi, Supa, and Alvaro, they finished fifth in the regular season in spring. They finished second in regular season summer. They won um, both uh, playoffs 
Yeah, they won both playoffs, and then they finished second to K-Corp in the EMEA Masters. So they clearly were a decent team. Uh, you know, the, the, the talent was there, the good and the bad. Uh, and then Merwin, I liked watching on Bisons uh, in the in the summer finals against Movie Star Riders. I thought he was pretty good. In terms of, like, putting, like, a rough estimate on who I liked the most, I feel like there was, like, a little bit of a gap from, like, Frescawi and maybe even Isma to the rest of them. But I feel like also Supa could kind of fall into that kind of tier too because of how like kind of shockingly bad some of the, the mistakes were. But I think Merwin and Alvaro looked pretty solid. I feel like Alvaro didn't do too much to stand out, but he had some you know, decent uh, performances on some of the, the more tanky kind of initiator support champions. Uh, and then I, I liked Merwin. I feel like that a lot of the stuff I felt like coming out of Bison's, I felt like I heard his name a lot. Um, so those are probably the two guys I have the most hope for. But again, you can't really put a ton of expectation on this team, especially for winter split. Uh, there's there's no LEC experience outside of El Yoya. The There will be an adjustment period. So, and again, like surprises can happen. I talked the, the same kind of way about Jackie's basically, you know, but at, at the end of the day, we'll have to watch this team play. We'll have to see how quickly they get it going. I feel like most people will probably have this team in, in the bottom two uh, going into the winter split, and then it's going to be up on them to develop and improve and prove everyone else wrong. So that's, I think, we're all pretty much in similar agreement there with MAD. There is, I do think there is some potential there uh, going on later, but definitely for now, uh, they're going to be uh, in the lower uh, placements for the start of the season. And worth mentioning, of course, that although we are putting them pretty low, both Steve and I, and I've seen a lot of the same sentiments around the community, it's it's very much, I'd say, even unlikely that they will place bottom 10th. Uh, there's very much a world where some of these lower-ranked teams, since you know three of these pieces of the puzzle, as well as the coach, uh, were able to win in the ERLs, it's not impossible that when they scale up into the LEC, they're probably not uh, contenders for the title but they they should be good enough to to take games off some of these at the very least weaker rosters so while i am putting them in 10th personally and and steve seems to uh, echo that sentiment uh bottom bottom of the table i think it's very much possible and even realistic that they'll they'll probably place a little bit higher than that so very much a development roster, and I will give credit, of course, as I said, that they, they're willing to scout and raise some new talent. Uh, very important for the future of the sport, so uh, it's, it's just we'll, we'll have to see what, what they're able to produce is what I'll leave it on. Now, moving up, we're going to be jumping into some of probably the more exciting pieces here um, because the top two teams from last year are what a lot of people are saying are going to be the top two teams this year, and I really can't blame them for that. Uh, so, so jumping in here in the second place position is Fnatic, and they're electing to keep almost their whole roster the same, similar to BDS. They're just making one change. Um, they're going to be keeping Oscar Rindon, Razorak, Humanade, as well as Noah. And then in the support position, they have replaced, as we mentioned in the last episode, Trimby is out. And they're bringing in a new face in June. So I did mention as well in the last episode, I have two hot takes. And SK was one of them. Fnatic is going to be my second hot take. Because although they are keeping things relatively stable and they showed us a good performance in the latter half of last year, 
people seem to be forgetting that in winter they placed ninth and in spring they were able to just barely make it into playoffs and then they placed seventh and eighth uh you'll you can kind of talk about which one of those two they deserved since that's how the format worked but again bottom tier placement um so what what is interesting is that um that that support position where they're bringing in June uh very similar as well to BDS's situation there there were a, a few options that they were considering um isolated to the bot lane specifically so the first iteration they were considering uh keeping Trimby around but they were one of the teams that wanted to secure Karzi in the AD carry spot so again as we mentioned he chose Vitality that fell through the next iteration was they wanted to pick up Zoellis, uh, who ended up choosing Rogue, so that fell through, but that was a potential option. Uh, but then after that point, they decided to stick uh, with Noah and instead shifted their attention back over to the LCK uh, to, to kind of build up some potential Korean synergy there with Noah. Uh, so Jun is coming over from the Korean League, and he's he's a bit of an interesting uh person i'll say that um he he seems to have been locked to bottom tier teams uh for most of his career uh a lot of people weren't super high on him although despite the weakness of the roster overall he did seem to be touted as one of the better players um when it comes to the individual basis so at least there's that to his credit, and maybe he'll be able to play that up when he now has a roster that seems a lot better than that. So why is it that I'm not as high on this roster as some of the other people are? Uh, getting some of the easy stuff out of the way, I think that Oscar Rinnan, he's only been around for a split at this point. Um, he had a terrible debut week. People were kind of memeing on him for that, but after that point, he's been very much impressively consistent. Uh, I think he's young. He's been around less than a year, so there's a lot of potential there. Um, he he might not be at the top of the table yet, but he's he's at least good enough. But everywhere else across this roster, my confidence dips very, very heavily. So starting off with Noah, um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that just like Oscar Rinnan, he has been in the LEC for only half a year. Um, based on my own rule, where I tend to only judge after a full year, he has... Uh, he at least deserves more time to prove himself. But the patterns I've been seeing so far aren't really that great because I return to the point that I've mentioned in the world's podcasts that he's only seemed to ever really look good on Aphelios and Zeri. When he joined the team, great for him. Those were the two highest prio picks. He was able to finish the summer regular season with just three deaths across nine games, and he had one of the highest KDA players ever put out by an LEC player. So very good highs there. But then the meta shifted, and he suddenly seemed to fall off a cliff, like at Worlds. In the very first round of Swiss, when it was Zaya Kaisa as the main meta, he was just straight up getting gapped. It was only in the second round when the team started literally only putting on, uh, putting him on Aphelios that he started to look good again. So if he isn't able to show some development in his champ pool at the very least, as well as his consistency in... Uh, being able to survive the lane phase and, and maybe start being a carry for the team, I think this is very clearly Fnatic's weakest player. Uh, but then you have the synergy between the core of Fnatic entering their third year, uh, Razork and Humanoid. Both of these are very good players on paper, individually speaking. 
but I, I will say I've been iffy on the, the pairing there together because they, they sort of look anti-synergy. Um, it's not so much that they're bad together, but they're, that they're not together is, is kind of the way I put it, where it's rare to see them coordinate, and considering that this jungle mid synergy is kind of core for opening up the rest of the map, that's not really something you want to see in a team. And then further to that, I think that Trimby, he was the piece along with Noah that changed for this roster coming into the summer and kind of brought this team out from the dregs up to the top of the table. And you know how I feel about Noah. So I, I accredit a lot of the, the potential growth there f to Trimby. And given that they're now getting rid of him, um, I'm just not really sure that they're going to have the same uh, shot calling level. You know, Trimby is a player that's been known to to talk a lot and, and get the team moving in the early game. He he sort of shot calls, and he was some of the, the gel that held Razork and Humanoid together, especially at Worlds when they were per performing well. So overall, there's kind of a lot of moving pieces here that I just don't think aren't that good. So my placement for this team definitely won't be second, um, which will be to the surprise of a lot of people, I'm sure this recipe just doesn't seem to be all that it's hyped up to be is the way I'll, I'll kind of leave off. I think that's uh, interesting, uh, other than the fact that you are the world's most known fanaticator, so I'm not going to take your opinion super seriously. Um, okay, fair enough. Fair, fair enough, enough, yeah. But I, I do agree with the, the main point of contention, obviously, being Noah, and I'll, I'll lump them together in the bot lane in general, Similar to what you've said, I've heard, you know, good things uh, about June coming in. He was, like, the one person I really didn't get to watch too much of. But it seems like that there is not really any... I haven't heard any negative sentiments about him. So I'm hoping that that will be the case. Uh, in his career, he's played 13 games of Lulu, 13 games of Nautilus, 10 games of Karma, uh, as well, and then 9 games of Rakam before there's a little dip-off into Heimerdinger, Yumi... And Leona and Rel. So he's he has a, a decent mix of a champion pool. Uh, his best champion does seem to be either Recon or Nautilus in terms of like win rate and just some stats and stuff I'm looking at. So maybe, I don't know if he prefers those champions more and he was playing the the enchanters a little bit more just because of the meta. But it does seem like he, he's at the very least capable of playing either the more enchanters or the, the tank initiator supports. But that's obviously going to be the biggest point on this team is because, you know, Noah had that super hot run having a, it was a 22.2 uh, KDA in the, the summer regular season, which is absolutely ridiculous. But he very quickly cooled off. Obviously, you're not going to be able to keep up that kind of performance. But he did cool off a bit more and did become a bit more problematic uh, in terms of just, like, not being even just as good as like more of some average uh, AD carries with some of the plays you mentioned when the meta shifted a little bit. And then I think that's just really going to be the biggest problem point. As not being as avid of an LEC watcher last year, unfortunately for me, I still view the team as really good. I like the potential of Oscar a lot in the top lane. He was obviously very bad at the start of spring, but I think he improved pretty quickly. The, the one downside is, again, we'll have to see how it continues to develop because it was only just really, I believe it was two splits. He came in for spring and then summer. Um, so we'll have to see if he can keep it consistent. 
I do like uh, what I've seen from him, because I think his champion pool is really cool. He has 38 games of Gangplank in his career, which is always fun when I see a top laner having Gangplank in their most played. That's a very uh, intense champion to play, so I feel like if you can pilot Gangplank really well, it's like a really good sign for you. And then he has a bit of a drop-off into 23 games of Orn, 22 on Nar, 21 on Jace. So he does have uh, a champion pool that seems to maybe favor carries a little bit more. Uh, but he did end up playing uh, eight games of Ornn and Cassante last year, and the, and those were his second and third most played champions. So he can, you know, I, I feel like he's that kind of guy who can play whatever style you need him to. He seems very flexible. I liked watching him play uh, when I did see him play. And I do think that the potential is very high there. And if he solidifies into that solid top side, whether it's more of a, a dual threat or even if it's just a weak side player, I think that's really going to be able to enable Razork and potentially even Humanoid as well to help out that bot lane even more if they might need it. Uh, I feel like that's kind of going to be and should be Razork's main goal anyways in this season is to help out that bot lane, you know, because... Again, I believe in Oscar. We'll have to see how it goes. I feel like Humanoid individually, and I think you've given him this credit as well, is is, is a, a top mid laner in the league. You just don't necessarily like the pairing together with Razork. So I think both of those guys are individually some of the best players in their role in the league. And if you can get Humanoid being, you know, his relatively consistent, super strong self in the mid laner, and then you have Oscar, you know, working on himself top lane, maybe you need to give him, you know, some pressure here and there in the early going still. But your job as Razork should just be, like, get this bot lane going and make sure that they're stable. And then we'll get to see what happens of Noah in the team fights, right? If Noah doesn't become a reliable team fighter and can't perform as well as on many champions as you'd want him to, then that becomes a problem and you have to look for a different solution. And unfortunately, that might mean you change your support as well. Which is why I'm not really anticipating any changes, especially for winter and probably spring as well. Because you brought in this guy, I'd assume, just to help out Noah, you know, maybe Lane, communicate better with your support. And uh, I assume they would probably be speaking Korean uh, when they're landing together. So... It seems like that Razork's job should be straightforward, and I hope it is, because I have a lot of trust and faith in Oscar and Humanoid that it should be a roster that, even if maybe the mid-jungle pairing themselves aren't the best synergy together, I don't think they'll have to rely on it a ton, because I feel like Humanoid's that kind of player that can just hold on his own and stand out still, even without a ton of help. And then you let Razork enable that bot lane and get them going. And then, like I said, it's at that point in the team fights, if you get Noah ahead in the early game, or at the very least keep him stable, it's going to be sink or swim for him. And you're going to figure that out very quickly on. Uh, even, in, even in the winter split, I would say, you know, if he's going to be capable of sticking around or not for the long haul. So I still put Fnatic up there as the, the clear runners up to the top team, uh, which we'll be getting into next in G2. But I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I just don't buy it right now personally and we'll have to wait and see for the season to start get to start get going before we can uh continue to debate about that so so the one thing i will add before we move on um i think that maybe i, I didn't do a good enough job of saying this uh as much as i'm i'm listing negatives here to to kind of talk up my point i'm not trying to say that this is a bad team by any means i think that they will be in the top half for sure uh the the only thing that i'm i'm kind of trying to say is that they're they're not as clear second place as some people are making them out to be and i think it's valid to put them second that is a very realistic scenario and, and they're fully capable 
with with only one player being changed of course and its support which is in a carry position so you know the the core is there and and they they should be able to reach that spot it's just that i'm not confident enough to put them above the rest of the league you know we've been talking about the volatility and the fact that a lot of these rosters can can kind of bounce back and forth so while this is a upper half team by by every metric i i think that there's enough competition that they're probably not going to lock second is is kind of where i'm where i'm feeling on this roster well, th- that's interesting because I, I don't see a lot of competition for at the very least again for for winter split i at least don't see a lot of competition i feel like maybe their best competition might just be heretics because of the experience even if the players aren't you know obviously at their best right now i feel like maybe it's like heretics is is the next best competition i'm looking at the other teams you talked about mad bds i don't think we're that high on we talked about giants x snow I feel like maybe you're probably thinking SK, I would say, for what you're thinking about. Because I don't see Vitality getting up there unless Daglas is really good, which, which again, could happen. I don't see Rogue getting up there most likely unless they have their issues ironed out with either Compress Agenda being reliable. And I just don't see K-Corp doing it, again, just because of consistency issues with, like, Bow and Upset. So I, th- I feel like maybe you're going to go the SK route there when we get to a, a Power Rankings episode. But I, for me, I still would put uh, Fnatic up a cut above, even if, you know, again, you, you, you are making some good points, and I get where you're coming from. I just think that they are that little bit better than everyone else. Yep, and that's that's completely valid. So we'll, we'll leave the, the full talks of that, of course, to the next episode. But moving on for today, we've got one team left on the docket, and that is none other than G2 Esports. Now, you know me, I'm a G2 fan. Uh, they've they've been very consistent in terms of putting out good rosters. Um, I, I can't think of any time ever where they weren't top half at the very least, and they've contended for so so many titles. So, you know, being able to win three of the four splits last year, um, come to MSI representing Europe, and then go to Worlds representing Europe as the first seed. Um, they're now coming into the 2024 season, making no changes to the roster. That's unheard of for the rest of the league, but they're running back the same core of Broken Blade, Yike, Caps, Hansama, and Mickey X. And like, what more can you really say other than they're good? Like it, it's, it's been proven over the past year. The, the individual talent is there. All of the players seem to be very, very good in their roles. Um, probably top three at the very least in in terms of individual skill in across all the roles um and you know they all they really had to to say to their detriment was those international performances and you know they they had expectations on them they did drop out to nrg uh, which was a huge disappointment and a lot of people are latching onto that which i think is fair but maybe a little overblown but they, you know, they they had a shaky spring and otherwise dominated the LEC the whole year through. They had really good scrim performances. They had really good stage performances domestically. So, you know, it, there's not too much analysis to be done here. I think the we've seen a lot of this team and we will see more. I'm sure uh, they're they're very good and I think they're probably going to continue their winning ways. Where even if they don't win every split, uh, they'll probably pick up at least one or two and we'll contend for the top of the table is is kind of where everyone's sentiment lies and i'm no different 
Yeah, despite NA owning EU now and G2 just clinging on to their Scrim World Champions titles, they are still the best team in Europe. Um, okay, <laughs> I took I, I took that one from the Discord. I, I just read off your comment word for word in our Discord call. I, I was saving Thanks, that. I was man. saving that for this. So don't don't, don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, they're obviously gonna be uh, the best team, as you said. Top at the very least, top three in every role. I I would probably say, like probably top in every role except for a jungle um it's a little there is some room for debate in some of that i'm sure um but just being the the bit more naive uh lec fan i'd say top in every role um i, I feel like yike did have plenty of moments i feel like especially in worlds when we were when we we're watching where he got into some bad spots and maybe should have been you know a bit more reserved at points but i feel like he is on a team where he can definitely be enabled to do that stuff it's just that he still needs to work on that because it can it can be reined into a degree where you're still making those maybe like 60 40 plays where you're in the 40 percentile and you can still make them a bit more like controlled or even the 70 30 plays and you can still make it a bit more controlled with proper you know decision making and making sure you have everyone else around you to be in a good position to help you when it's necessary um but other than that I mean, th this is going to be the best team. No reason to to not believe that going into it. I did not write down much about G2 in my notes because of that. Like I said, I think the only real thing I'm concerned about is, is maybe Yike. Um, but other than that, this is the, the strongest team. Uh, they've been consistently been the strongest team throughout iteration upon iteration upon iteration of their roster. And I don't see a reason for that to change right now. As much as I do like Fnatic, I do think that the, the bot lane will be that biggest uh difference from Fnatic into G2 and that would be why that they're they're not on that same level Oscar's not on Broken Blades level yet either even though I do like Oscar um so yeah I, I feel like there's not really too much to say about them they, they, they should be the favorites if they don't win it's going to be a big surprise um just because of the the historical dominance of them it's like you know how TSM was for a brief bit in in NA and then you know maybe there's been some other teams like C9 who have had some really good runs even though they haven't been quite as consistent as G2 um but yeah that's all there is for G2 they're great yeah and to to not leave you completely dry on analysis um I I know you mentioned that Yike is kind of the 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 player you mentioned as one of the potential sore points you know he he isn't super consistent all the time and I think that's fair considering he's the rookie on this roster so you know maybe in his second year he'll do better and I'm, I'm hoping he does he's shown potential at the very least and I, I think he's he's going to be a, a future prospect to continue developing in the league um, but my main sore point is Hansama actually where uh, I've mentioned this before when we were talking at Worlds that you know, his Draven, he, this is the champ that he's really known for. His Draven is a powerhouse, and Callista is very similar. But when you kind of take him off those two champions, he seems to be a player that sort of follows the way this team is playing. He isn't really fulfilling that role as a carry. You know, AD carry tends to be a position that does put the team on the back in the later half of the game. But he seemed to sort of feed off of Mickey X setting him up in lane, as well as the rest of the roster um, kind of building up those leads, and, and then he was able to pick up kills in those fights just because of a function of the team being strong. So, you know, there's there's issues there as well to be ironed out, and I think that um, if teams continue to ban out those power picks for him or if the meta develops differently, I don't know yet. Um, it's, it's yet to be seen whether he's able to iron out some of those issues, 
but you know again saying that he's the weakest member of the roster when it's a very very good roster isn't saying too much um it's it's just a good team and and that's that's really all you can say yeah it's still it's still top three in every role and i i, I do think that yeah hansama probably isn't quite as clear you know as, as some of the other guys but yeah it's still you know, at the very worst it's top three in every role and the environment that G2 has is clearly just, you know, the the best place to be in for Europe, regardless of, you know, even if you are probably a little bit below par, you know, you can still get elevated by everyone else around you and then stuff like that can become okay on the the national level. When you go to world, it's obviously a different beast, um, but nationally, you know, in, in Europe, they're, they're, they're a cut above. Now, the very last thing we'll kind of cover off, you know, we've gone through the 10 rosters, we've gone through the format changes and all that. I did want to make a quick shout out to what has colloquially been dubbed that Team McDonald's. Um, you know, there there isn't quite as much of a big one here as we did in the LCS. Uh, a lot of the big prospect players did end up getting picked up. You know, in the in the jungle, I wasn't able to find a single player that's that's kind of been locked out, even self-made, who's been kind of chilling as a vitality contract but not really playing, has now found himself a team. Um, so, you know, we, we don't really have much to talk about besides that Trimby player uh, in the support role that we, we mentioned briefly uh, in our talk of SK. Uh, Crowny as well in the AD carry role, you know, BDS didn't want to stick with him, so now he's teamless. Um, he, he has been pretty good. I don't think he's been top tier necessarily, but kind of sad to see him go. And Abadage in the mid lane too. Um, he's been a player that has won the LCS with 100 Thieves. And now when he came into XL, he boosted that team from 10th to 2nd. So also a, a very important player that is not going to be in the league this time around. Um, so, you know, not really a roster here so much as with the LCS again, but wanted to throw that mention there that hopefully they're not gone for good and maybe they'll find some place uh, to call home in the future. All right, so with that all being covered now, that will wrap up our roster discussions for the LCS and the LEC going into the spring and winter splits for each region, respectively. Thank you so much for listening in, and we really look forward uh, to continuing making these podcasts for you guys. We also look forward to hearing your thoughts about these rosters, whether it's from the LCS episodes or from the LEC here. Feel free to follow us and talk with us on our Twitter at NoRival underscore esports. We would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on our thoughts uh, that we have been going over for all of these uh, 18 teams now uh, for both regions. We will be having a definitive Power Rankings episode coming out for both regions uh, in the near future, so stick around for that. Follow us here on our Spotify so you don't miss out on that. And if you've enjoyed listening to us, whether it's just this episode or if you've been here from the very beginning, please rate us five stars. That would be a great help for us and we'd very much appreciate the positive rating so again thank you all so very much for listening and we look forward to seeing you again in our next episode take care